1: Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. We continue to inch ever closer to the NFL draft, so we'll start things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. They've got a full first-round mock draft that's going to be followed up by the Arrowhead Pride editors. They've got some news to discuss, as well as comments made by former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith. After that, we'll take a quick timeout, then you'll hear from Chiefs coast-to-coast. They discuss the Chiefs now being out on a trade for Giants cornerback James Bradbury, as well as some other Chiefs news and notes. Then we'll finish things up with Draft Talk. Ron Kopp and Jared Sapp discuss some prospects that they need to be a little bit more sold on. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. All right, we are back in on the AP Draft Room podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Previewing the 2022 nfl draft from a chief's perspective as always but you know we want to we, we're draft people we just want to have our, our horizons broadened a little bit and look at the entire nfl for a second and it'll be fun and me and brian right here are about to go through one through 32 do a quick first round mock draft kind of see how the board falls out maybe talk through some potential trade-up options depending on how the board falls uh, for the chiefs and then obviously we will end with picking the chief's first round picks always fun to do mock drafts brian You excited for this one today? Absolutely. This
2: is the first time doing one this year where I'm kind of like working with another person. Uh, So it should be a blast. And my favorite thing about, it's not just about the Chiefs, right? It's putting yourself in that chair. Okay. If I was the final decision maker for the New York Jets, you know, what am I going to do with these picks and factor in the information that we already have about you know, what this team tried to do in free agency, what they did do in free agency. Uh, do they want to really load up for this year? Or is it all about the next three or five years, depending on job security, things like that? Um, doing these, is it gets you ready for the, the real thing, gives you an idea of, of how things might fall. But of course, there's always going to be some, you know, off the wall surprises. So, uh, yeah, man, should be a, a great time here and uh, appreciate the listeners for following us along.
1: Yeah, let's go pretty quick through this because, you know, I know as Chiefs fans, not everyone is super interested in the top 10 of the draft because the Chiefs probably, although never say never, but probably will not be drafted there. But let's start here. I'm going to go first pick. I was, I was, uh, me and Talon actually did this a, a few weeks ago and I was the second pick then. So I'll switch it up. I'll let Brian get the, the evens in this draft. But with the first pick, and this is predictive, as you mentioned, you know, we're trying to, you know, just take the information we have. Uh, you know, looking at mock drafts, everyone's reading the mock drafts and it's become pretty obvious that the Jaguars are fixated on Aiden Hutchinson, the edge from Michigan. Um, it, you know, I think the offensive tackle pick was important at first, maybe for them. I guess it sounds like that they'd rather value edge and that they've shored up their offensive tackle position um, to not take one first overall. So there we go. Michigan edge, Aiden Hutchinson, who you got for number two?
2: Number two, uh, the Detroit Lions, the dominant historically great Lions, they they have a lot of holes, but uh, I don't think this is the year they go quarterback. I think they're going to wait on that, roll with Goff while he has to be on the roster. And so we're going to go defensive line, uh, get them also stronger in the trenches than than what they have been, and the pick is going to be uh, Trevon Walker out of Georgia. He is kind of a one who is climbing up boards a little bit, starting to make noise in the top five. I think Detroit might be the one who actually rolls the dice.
1: Yeah, you're right. No, he definitely is. He's skyrocketed. I think guys like Jeremiah and Dan Brugler were high on him at first. And I think the rest of the community has understood why they were. So I like that pick. Number three, the Houston Texans here. I think they're a popular team to just take whichever best player available is there. They don't really have a position need in mind. And so that's why I think the Texans might want to just address the edge position you know, get somebody in there that's a super talented, just kind of, you know, uh, kind of develop your defensive line again after missing some, you know, missing out on JJ Watt, you know, leaving Kayvon Thibodeau going. Kayvon Thibodeau here. I know it sounds like he's flipping a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it only takes one team to just say, you know what, he's a talented dude. Let's just take him. So, Kayvon Thibodeau.
2: Thibodeau, uh, be a great pick for them. I, I think teams letting him fall too far to be a mistake. Now we're going to the Jets. First pick um, in the top 10 for them. At number four, there are wide receivers. I think they really want, and we'll probably get to that at pick ten. But they're not going to reach just yet, and they have plenty of other holes to fill. And they're going to go with offensive tackle and Iki Aquanu. Yeah, some would say the best player in this draft class. Um, you know, it kind of depends on your flavor. What do you want? A little more refined in the run game than a lot of top tackles are these days in the draft. So they're going to sign up uh, Iki Aquanu. And now they're going to have both bookends uh, solidified on their offensive line, and, and the offensive line as a whole there will be looking pretty good after that pick for uh, Zach Wilson in year two.
1: Yeah, Aquanu is definitely, uh, you know, Evan Neal seemed to be the consensus best offensive lineman, but Aquanu has definitely felt, has felt like he's taken over that role. Uh, national consensus, I still think I like Neal a little better. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think yeah. I would rank Neal higher. Um, so speaking of that, I think the Giants are on the board here, and you know it, it's tempting. They have two picks in the first uh, seven picks, so they'll have back to back, or not back to back picks, but you know, two picks. You know, highly right here. I think they know the Panthers are in on this offensive tackle class. I think they just want to secure their guy here, so they go Evan Neal. Get Evan Neal. You know, they've invested in offensive tackle recently in the draft, but you can never have enough guys, and they could definitely use another, you know, another guy there at right tackle. I think Andrew Thomas is their left tackle, or is it reversed? Either way, take Evan Neal. Your line just got better.
2: Absolutely. Um, great pick. So we're moving to Carolina. This is where things are going to get kind of weird. Um, not not surprising, but a little weird. And we're going to dip into the quarterback pool. Their owner, David Tepper, ever since he bought the team a few years back, he has been just super aggressive about improving his team. He makes it very clear that, hey, if we don't have a, a top quarterback. We're just not going to compete for Super Bowls. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, but in this case, I think he's kind of desperate and he doesn't want to go through another year. Um, you know, their head coach, Matt rule as well. They don't want to go through another year with Sam Darnold starting. So they're going to go ahead and roll the dice on Malik Willis at Liberty, the quarterback who has the most physical upside. Um, is he going to be ready to play day one? And probably not. Does that mean they're going to do it? I think they probably will play him from the start, but I do see Carolina going quarterback one way or the other in the first round.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think the thing with Malik Willis um, and the Carolina fit is that if you're Carolina, you can get away with kind of saying, OK, now you need to give us this time to see this dude develop. And so you maybe buy yourself, you know, a, a few more years as a GM, as a regime, you know, without getting fired. But because uh, it has not gone well there so far. Um, but number seven, the Giants here, their second first round pick, you know, Kyle Hamilton still on the board. But I think they're going to go another defensive back here, and I'm going to go Sauce Gardner. It seems like he has really become the CB1 nationally. Um, I have Stingley rated higher, although I I will admit it's not a position I've really studied super hard because the Chiefs will not be picking any of these guys, unfortunately, as cool as it would be. But uh, Sauce Gardner, I do think uh, teams are coveting him, and he's going to be the first corner off the board. So Giants uh, improve their secondary there.
2: Absolutely. Another good one. Um, Now we're transitioning into Atlanta Falcons, pick number eight. They just traded their quarterback away to take on the largest cap hit for a player who – a dead cap hit, a player not on the roster of the history of the NFL. So not great there. We already know what happened at the wide receiver position with suspension to um, Calvin Ridley. So they can go a lot of different directions, but I'm going to have them taking – What I think is one of the better edge prospects in the draft, and that's Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, an area that they can really improve upon. Um, You know, he's got a little history in that state. You know, he spent the beginning of his college career on the Georgia Bulldogs before transferring to Florida State. And I think he makes them better uh, along the defensive line for at least the next five years and, and probably longer. Jermaine, those who've been listening to this show know, one of my favorites in the class. I wish he would last longer, but here he goes to Atlanta.
1: See, yeah, I, I think Jermaine Johnson's that guy. I mentioned it actually. I was on J- with Jay Binkley at 6'10. He's that guy that if he does fall, he's he's the one guy I could see maybe falling out of the top tier of edge rushers into like maybe the 15-ish pick. Maybe it's hopeful, it really is hoping. But if that happens, I think the Chiefs would be justified in moving up whatever it takes to get him if he falls in that range. So he's a guy I'm kind of interested to see how you know where he goes in the draft, obviously. Seattle's at number nine. They traded uh, with Denver, obviously. Denver had this original pick. Seattle's just got so many. I think they're kind of low key in a rebuild. They're maybe rebuilding on the fly a little bit. And I think one way they can uh, help, you know, whichever quarterback gets there is drafting an offensive lineman. I think Charles Cross here just gives you pass protection as a left tackle. Um, I think he's a high floor kind of left tackle. He may not be. Doesn't have the build to really be a you know maybe a dominating guy. You know, but I think he's definitely a guy that's going to be really good in pass protection and you know, protect the blind side of drew lock, maybe, uh, hopefully not if you're a Seahawks fan, right? Yeah. They, they
2: there's another one could go quarterback. We'll, we'll be watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can also see them. If Willis is there, I think that'd be the pick maybe, but I, otherwise I think they might wait till round two. Uh, so we're now we're at the jets again, that, that happened fast, pick 10, they're up and I'm going to go with maybe the biggest surprise so far. Who was the other team outside of the Miami Dolphins trying to trade for Tyreek Hill? It was the New York Jets. And I think what they're going to do here is get some comfort with Jamison Williams and where his medical situation is. And they're going to say, okay, we have a chance to add a, a elite-level deep threat for our young quarterback who can blow the top off of defenses. Um, and they're going to swing on Jamison Williams at pick 10, ACL and all hoping, counting on him to be ready by the time the regular season starts. And like I said, to be the difference-making, game-breaking type of receiver that Zach Wilson needs to reach whatever his ceiling might end up being.
1: Yeah, we wouldn't have done this mock draft justification if we wouldn't have given the Jets a receiver with one of their first picks because I think be, if you listen to Jets beat writers or just uh, you know uh, guys following the draft in the Jets' perspective – it's very apparent, very obvious that the reason they were in on Tyreek Hill is because they just want to get a, a top receiver for Zach Wilson. And so it, even if, you know, obviously these guys aren't going to be on Tyreek's level, there's still wide receiver one potential. And that top three tier we talked about earlier, I think Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams or Drake London, all three of them are potential options for the Jets. Jameson Williams goes number 10. Washington Commanders up at number 11, still really weird to say. Um, you know, they have a di- bunch of different directions they could go here. I know people talk about them potentially picking quarterback. You know, I, 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 I don't want to go with that there here just because I think Washington has other holes they can address. And, you know, they have Carson Wentz now. Just see how that goes. He might as well have, uh, surround him with as much talent as possible. So with that said, I think this is where another receiver could go off the board. And I'm going to go with my guy Garrett Wilson. I think they double up at receiver, give him in terms of, you know, they have Tra- Terry McLaurin right now. Give Carson Wentz no excuses. Um, if he's if they don't win with that or if their offense isn't good, it's because of him. It's not because of who they surrounded him with.
2: Yeah, Garrett Wilson is uh, maybe, you know, like like for you, Ron, he's a top receiver on your board. I'm sure a lot of teams, what, what we're kind of hearing, seeing leak out seems like, okay, if you're one of those people who's thinking he's going to go late in the first round, it's time to go ahead and transition your thinking. He's going to go high, so I like that fit. Now we're at pick 12, Minnesota Vikings. They have a new front office, a new general manager, so hard to really know like what positions they're going to value the most. But uh, I'm going to go actually with Jordan Davis, uh, the defensive oh, yeah. tackle uh, who, who tore the combine up. And just, just being one of those picks where he can fit on just about any team if you want to spin it because he's going to change the math for, for your team. Um, he's going to make your run defense, you know, work with six, seven guys in the box tops. And so, uh, I think they're going to roll the dice on that and try to get the next Don Terry Poe, uh, if not something better with Jordan Davis in Minnesota.
1: Yeah. I think again, I think we're having, we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to accuracy when it comes to Jordan Davis. I mean, he ha- doesn't have that combine and not go very high in the draft. The NFL, NFL teams just operate that way. They see freak of athletes like that. And Don Poe went, what, 11 or 10, I think. Uh, I, I believe it was actually just yeah, maybe even 12. So Maybe 12. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a good comparison and a, a good example. Now, here at 13, the Texans are in a dream scenario. I think uh, the guy I'm going to have them pick is someone they probably thought they might have at three. Kyle Hamilton slips all the way to 13, which I do think is a little realistic with what we've heard. Apparently he just has not tested well. Um, and and if you're not gonna be testing well, the whole reason everyone was excited about him is because he moved super well at 6'4, 220 or whatever. If he's not moving well, then all of a sudden he's not someone that's people maybe as excited about. So, but at the same time, I'm I I think he's a really good player. And and the Texans just really just absolutely loaded their defense, getting Thibodeau and Hamilton with their first couple picks. So Hamilton hey
2: little bit of a seamless fill-in for Justin Reed, the Chiefs' new signing at safety. A little
1: bit, a little bit, yeah.
2: <laughs> have him cross over. Okay, now we're at Baltimore, pick 14, a team who does have a steady front office. We kind of know, okay, they really value these types of spots. And you're looking at this board now. I think this is where they go ahead and pick up uh, Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback, who um, he's got some questions about his last two years. I mean, for me, I think he just – Kind of after that first freshman season where he was elite, I think he was just kind of ready to move on, as bad as that might sound. You know, he probably read the the headlines a little bit, the press clippings. The Ravens, they're going to go ahead and sign him up and, and solidify their back end because we know historically they like to be aggressive on defense and play that man-to-man coverage.
1: Yep, I like it. That makes sense to me. Uh, pick 15, the Eagles we're going to address their secondary. I think they're always looking for, for better players in the at the cornerback position. Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner, goes off here. Um, I definitely think he's going to be a, a lock uh, for the top of the first round, uh, You know, maybe in the first 15. This is where he goes here. But they have back-to-back picks, Brian, so who do you think they have going with the next pick, picking off of McDuffie?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... They could go in several directions, too. We know they, they almost lost Fletcher Cox with his contract situation, so I wonder if they'd be tempted to go defensive tackle. Um, I'm actually going to have them drafting a little bit ahead of the game. We know that it's only a matter of time before Jason Kelsey moves on as their center of the last 10-plus years, and I'm going to have them pick up um, who many would call the best interior offensive lineman in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum and just say, hey, they'll figure it out for this year, whether it's guard or uh, right guard, something like that. I know they have Landon Dickerson as well on the on the team, but if nothing else, he's going to be a long-term fit at the center position and a, and a darn good one at that for the Eagles, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, they 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 picked Landon Dickerson last year, but he's been playing some guard for them, and I just think you're right. I think they just need to be aware of of Jason Kelsey retiring because, yeah, he's not – as soon as, you know, that's going to be a heck of a drop off. You don't want to, you know, you kind of want to be more prepared than just, uh, you know, throwing anybody in there. So Chargers at pick 17, they're an interesting team, man. I feel like they could go a lot of different directions. They're a team, I think, Jameson Williams has been popularly mocked to. Thankfully, he didn't fall there because I would not want them to have Jameson Williams. Uh, so shout out you for picking him early. But, you know, this is where I think the Chargers could really address something that has not been very good for them. And that is the linebacker position. I know they picked Kenneth Murray a couple years ago. I don't think he's really been uh, you know, what maybe they hoped he would be. They get Devin Lloyd here, the Utah linebacker. I just think they have they have pieces in their front front. They have pieces in their secondary. I just feel like they could really use a better player at the linebacker position. And I think Devin Lloyd, it seems like he's gonna be the first linebacker taken. I just think it makes sense that the Chargers get the best linebacker in the class.
2: That would be one that would, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel good about that with them being in the division. They would definitely be getting better. yeah Now we are transitioning to the Saints. Uh, their top need is probably wide receiver. And with what happened these last couple of years with Michael Thomas, he's been you know basically on the shelf completely with injuries, lower body injuries. That's where I think they go here. They need to get faster, give Jameis Winston an explosive threat down the field. Uh, and that's where we go to one of the draft's fastest wideouts, Chris Alave, out of Ohio State. Maybe a little higher than some are expecting, but not that much. I think he's a first-round pick all day. Uh, so the Saints are going to go with Alave, Ohio State burner who can take the top off against uh, probably any any defense that he's going to see.
1: Yeah, I was tempted to go Alave for the Chargers, uh, but it was just it's one of those things where I think some of these teams are are going to you know depending on the team i think the chargers are a team that understand maybe uh the analytics of it in terms of you can find a receiver later um i think linebackers actually probably one of those positions too it's probably not a good argument but uh they'll they'll find a receiver later i think the chargers are going to come away in the draft with a receiver that's going to contribute for them whether it's the first or second round eagles picked number 19 you know they they picked tyler lindelbaum earlier they picked uh Trent McDuffie as well so they've addressed those those two positions but I do think something you mentioned earlier makes a lot of sense. And I do think Devontae Wyatt, if you talk about a comparison and as an NFL pro, uh, pro, Fletcher Cox is actually probably a pretty good comparison for the type of player he is. Someone that can be a run stuffer, has that big mass, but also can penetrate and be that three tech, you know, flying in the backfield. Kind of has the best of both worlds there. Devontae Wyatt goes to Philly and, and boosts their defensive line. Now we are off to pick 20.
2: Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they would maybe like to go up and get a quarterback this year, Um, but the guy they wanted is gone. I think they really want Malik Willis. And so what they're going to do, they're going to do the best they can to put things around Mitch Trubisky and make it work this season. And that's going to involve taking an offensive tackle. So I have them taking the really physical uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern northern Iowa Probably a little high for me. Uh, I, I don't think he is a 20th overall player in the class. But their offensive line has been a mess the last two seasons, and so it's going to be a choice that you're going to have a hard time pushing back against, especially when Trubisky is the guy leading your offense. He he needs protection if it's going to work out.
1: Yeah, Penning is one of those highlight reel prospects for sure. I mean, it. I, I agree with you. I he's get, he's going to go higher than I would feel comfortable necessarily picking him but at the same time he, he has the the ceiling to where yeah he, he probably does deserve to go that high ceiling wise because he is a nasty dude and yeah i do think he he, he combines it with some quick feet you know when i watched him i actually was pretty impressed with him he still is only the fifth rated offensive tackle for me in the class but uh i think i think he's got a lot of a, a, a very high ceiling so patriots at pick 21 though this is obviously a big pick in the afc patriots kind of in the same not the same position as the Chiefs, obviously, but like everyone else in the AFC, did a lot this offseason. I feel like the Patriots are one team that really didn't, and they're kind of you know behind the ball in terms of trying to get uh, more players, you know, and and just be a better team. But you know they don't have JC Jackson anymore. They don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore. I think naturally an easy fit here is Andrew Booth Jr., the Clemson cornerback. I did hear that he has sports hernia surgery early, uh, you know, recently. So I don't know that might uh, you know slip make him slip in the draft a little bit, but. At the same time, he's a guy that we've I've seen, you know, maybe a little earlier than this too. So this could be him slipping to twenty one. But he's a really good player. I, I, I it's not a guy I've, I've looked into too in depth, but uh, he's a very highly touted prospect for sure.
2: Yeah, Patriots definitely have gotten worse, like the Chiefs have so far. And um, I don't know different than the Chiefs, where I think they have enough picks to really make up ground. I don't know that the Patriots can, but that's a good pick. That's a player who, if he ended up in Kansas City, I think we'd be really excited. Uh, so now it's Green Bay. Green Bay, uh, they need, well, they need help at positions like the Chiefs do. Wide receiver, edge, okay? These are kind of their top needs. And I am going to have them going with a wide receiver. I think that Aaron Rodgers, he just lost Devontae Adams. He's going to kind of bang the table. Um, and with him being under contract for several years now, they need to keep him happy. So we are going to take Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. Big body, a little different than Devontae, but Aaron's used to throw into these big targets, these long-armed frames, and so London should fit right in in Green Bay.
1: Yep. No, I think that's a good pick there. Green Bay, you know, it it is a funny kind of uh, position that the Chiefs and the Packers are in. They're they're probably going to be picking each other's players or guys that they, you know, I guess the Packers are ahead of the Chiefs, so it'd be really the Packers picking players the Chiefs want. Maybe the Chiefs having to leapfrog them at twenty-two and twenty-eight, because you're right, they have very similar needs with their first few picks. So, Cardinals here at twenty-three. This is kind of a tough one. I, you know, they're a team that they want to compete right now, right? They're they're in win-now mode with Kyler Murray on his rookie deal still, um, and so they need to they need to get as good as possible in the, in you know not really looking too long term, maybe just short term. And so it is tempting to go with the receiver here. I think the Cardinals could add to their receiving core. They lost AJ Green this off they could also add to their defense. Man, it is tough. This one is coming down to the wire for me, but you know what? I will give them Daxton Hill, the Michigan safety. I think they could use a little more versatility in the secondary. He's a guy that can play cornerback and safety for you, um, at least slot cornerback. That's what he played in college a lot of the time. He's a guy that the Chiefs could use definitely with that versatility, but I think the Cardinals, they have playmakers in the secondary, but they need a few more, and uh, and, and that's what they're going to get with uh, Dax and Hill. Like that one. Dax coming off quicker than the Chiefs can uh, make a move on.
2: I think he's still in, in the picture for them, possibly. So now we come up to everybody's favorite team, Dallas Cowboys, uh, pick number 24. I thought about going the wide receiver, Traylon Burks, out of Arkansas. You know, Jerry's a, Jerry Jones, that is. He's an Arkansas guy. Um, I could see them trying to kind of replace what they lost with Amari Cooper leaving. But I am going to have them taking the type of swing that we've seen them do before. And and maybe this is crazy because I know they're in win now mode, but uh, I'm going to have them taking David Ajabo uh, being the ones who go ahead and say, okay, we pick late in the draft quite quite often or we expect to. Let's get an edge, a, a position they always invest in. Uh, someone who could eventually be a top of the NFL type of pass rusher. So Ojabo comes off earlier than I think most are expecting here. Uh, but I could definitely see wide receiver too with the uh, Dallas Cowboys.
1: No, I think it's pretty realistic when you, I, I think we are getting a little too comfortable with just saying, all right, Ojabo will be there in the first round. Let's just take him. Um, Cause I'm very excited about the prospects of taking Ojabo because you're right. I think what you just said about the Cowboys is the same about the chiefs. You're not going to be picking here very often. You're getting an, a guy that was is not supposed to be there. is supposed to be picked way higher than this, um, so you might as well take it. I do think they might have to trade up still a little bit for him in that range. So I like, and the Cowboys definitely need um, more help with you know their young edge rushers. I think they was, they lost Randy Gregory. Obviously, they could use a little more juice there. So Bills are at 25. They're definitely a team. I'm glad Ojabo didn't get to, but this is a fit that I really don't like. Because I'm a Chiefs fan, but it makes a lot of sense. And the Bulls are gonna get a lot better when they draft Jahan Dotson from Penn State here, the wide receiver. Uh, you know, we we hear rumors. Was has Cole Beasley been officially released? I can't remember honestly at the top of my head. Or is it just a rumor? Has no, he, he,
2: he was he was released and then they okay. signed uh Jamison Kraut.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, either way, Jahan Dotson is that guy that uh, you know plays slot or Z. I think he could be an outside receiver as well at the at the at the next level. And you know, I think the bills understand, uh, you know, how th- today's NFL goes. Let's just get a lot of weapons and we have the quarterback and Jahan Dotson is definitely going to make, uh, you know, he's going to make the most of Allen's throws. I just think he creates separation. He's a big play threat. So yeah, not a huge fan of that as a chiefs fan, but Hey, that's how it goes. It's a good pick by the
2: bills. Yeah. That would set the stage for them. I think they're already set to, to have their best run possibly um, in several years, but Okay, here we go. Tennessee, pick 26. They are going to, you know, they, they brought in Robert Woods um, via trade, an upgrade over what they had with Julio Jones last year, but I don't think they're done yet. I'm not saying they're going to trade A.J. Brown. I think they'd be crazy if they did, but it's possible, and so they're going to insulate against that, add their number three receiver who could become a number one, number two, and that's going to be Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I just think he fits their style. the The physical kind of does a little bit of everything. I think they would find ways to just let him, you know, get downhill and and get the ball in his hands and be a punisher as a ball carrier. So, Traylon Burks to Tennessee at pick twenty six is what I've got.
1: Yeah, Burks fits very well in their offense. That's actually a great fit. And if, if he's there, I, I I could definitely see Tennessee, uh, you know, being being very uh, hard pressed uh, to to pass on him so Buccaneers at 27 this is an interesting pick I think a lot of people thought they could go quarterback and then Brady comes back and so now they're in win now mode again so you want to get somebody that can contribute right away you know they did lose some help on the interior offensive line in the offseason and so I think Zion Johnson's a natural fit here I really like him I think he's going to be a a starting guard in the NFL for sure Um, he could definitely play some center too and so I think the Buccaneers get lucky again they picked Tristan Wirfs a few years ago I think Zion Johnson to have a similar impact to where he could start right away and, and be a really good player. We're going to hate the Buccaneers for another year <laughs> at least. So
2: yeah, at least uh, there's, there's that one. Um, I, I have green Bay up again, 28. They like the chiefs two picks in the, in the twenties, 30 range. Um, This time they went wide receiver with Drake London. And this time we're going edge. Another big need. Now that Zedarius Smith is gone. The player I just wrote a draft profile on, it'll be out probably uh, within the next couple of days if you're listening to this. And that's Boye Maffe out of Minnesota. I think he's just a scheme fit. You know, more of a pass rusher, pure pass rusher. Doesn't defend the run the best. Can be kind of a more of a 3-4 outside linebacker type, which is what Zadarius and Preston Smith were. And, of course, Rashawn Gary's there. Um, so they're going to have to get creative in how they use him. Because uh, they do have a couple of guys already uh, with, with Gary and Preston Smith, but we know you can't ever have enough pass rushers, and he's one who has a lot of potential. So, boy, I'm off Bay
1: from Minnesota to Green Bay at 28. All right, here we go. Pick 29. Chiefs are on the clock. We are going to be looking at, uh, you know, we talk about edge and receiver, obviously. I think one guy I see right away and, and think I want to take is George Karloftis, the Purdue edge. I know he's not the most exciting player. I do think he's gotten to the point where uh, I think a lot of people look at him as kind of a, a bland, just like a, a strong dude, a solid dude, but maybe doesn't have the highest ceiling. I may disagree a little bit. I, you know, he's a raw prospect. He did not play football very long before uh, he got to Purdue, and he's still a young, a really young football player. But you see, he has the natural strength, the natural leverage, just understands how to be, you know, a, a physical player, and you know the Chiefs value that at edge. That's the guy I really want to go with. I'm tempted with a few other picks, but I'm going to make you make that tough decision because you have pick 30. But I'm going George Karloftis here. Chiefs get an edge that can start right away for them, in my opinion. Maybe, you know, maybe not really good reps or anything, but Karloftis can come in and play right away. So I'm going to go George Karloftis.
2: No, I can get behind that for sure. I, I, he's kind of being a little downplayed. You know, I, I understand the testing is a piece of the puzzle, but there's something to be said for just being a good football player. And I think Karloff, this is that, and this is a fine value at 29. So going to 30 chiefs are up again. Um, and I'm going to take the player who you wrote a draft profile on, uh, just this weekend. And that's Kyrie Elam, the corner out of Florida. Hell yeah. And really, I think they would, pr- they probably might go like a Christian Watson here. And if they did, that's fine. But for me, I think, go ahead and go with the corner and just count on there to be, even if it takes trading up from 50, get your receiver with the next pick. Cause I think you're going to get a better receiver than, than you are say a corner. Uh, now's the time to strike at the CB position and get Elam who can be their number one for quite a long time.
1: Yeah. I think you kind of like how the receiver board fell in terms of passing on it right now. Sky Moore still there. Christian Watson is still there. As you mentioned, Obviously, George Pickens is there, too, although, you know, it sounds like he might be going higher than this, but we we do what we can. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of like what options are still there. And yeah, you're right. Maybe this is where you potentially trade up um, with your other two second round picks to get one, you know, take a swing on one of these receivers. Because if you do address cornerback and edge with these two kind of guys, I do feel like you feel really good about those two positions. And you may not need to double up on edge or double up on corner potentially. I would double up on edge for sure, but corner you might just hang tight on after p- making that pick for Kyer Elam. But we'll round it out here. Thirty-one. The Bengals are up. We don't like talking about the Bengals, but you know they have gotten better this offseason, And you know another thing they could do to kind of make them themselves, you know, a, a better football team. You know, offensive line's a popular pick. Offensive tackle Bernard Raymond, somebody that uh, makes sense to me, but. They got Lyle Collins now. They have uh, the other side of their the line is Jonah Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and give them Perry on Winfrey, the Oklahoma defensive tackle. Gives them a penetrator from the interior. Uh, they lost Larry Ogunjobi this offseason uh, in free agency. So Winfrey is kind of that Chris Jones type where he's that tall guy. May not be a super good asset against the run at first, but he is, he's going to give you some juice. And so I think the Bengals pass rush just got a lot better taking him.
2: They did, and he is also one who, it's like, was he really used the way that he should have been at Oklahoma? Exactly. There's questions about that, and they're they're pretty valid, I think. So if you're a team who thinks we are going to use him how he should be, then it could be a lot better than what you normally get at, at pick 30 uh, with Winfrey. All right, last pick of the round, the Lions. Could go quarterback here, but I'm going to stand stand through and say, okay, they're, they're going to use Goff for one more year. Just keep on adding talent for the next quarterback who's going to come in in 2023. And I'm going to take one of your favorite players, Ron uh, Lewis, Seen, the safety out of Georgia, who would give them a leader, uh, a good player, but a leader who can kind of command that room, the defensive back room uh, in Detroit, which of course needs an inflection of talent. And uh, seen he's going to be a day one type, i think he's going to play play at a high level surprise people and and hold down the fort and kind of fit in with that detroit style of culture they're trying to build with with tough dudes who can who can be physical
1: totally agree that he fits their culture i love seeing i i'm definitely definitely someone that you know if the chiefs do go safety in the first round i think he would be my favorite one of the bunch but i definitely like this draft fell out we had the chance to pick safety But I think we really did a good job um, doing the valuable pick here. I think, like I said, Karloftis, maybe not the most exciting pick, but he's definitely increasing the floor of your edge room. And I do think there is room a little more than we give him credit for to become, uh, you know, above average, you know, a a good starter. He's got to project that for sure. And Kyrie Elam, your pick, I, I, like I said, I wrote him this off this weekend. Definitely, you kind of just, his build reminds me of Traverius Ward, maybe not as lanky but he's really fast too. And that's not something you could say about Ward Uh, four through nine speed for Kyrie Elam. So I like this haul. We just gave the chiefs, Brian, how are you feeling about it? You got a grade you can put on it. I don't know. What do you, what are you feeling about it? Oh, it, it kind of
2: makes me think that trading up is, is the move. because The receivers that were there, it was like, and we've mentioned this in some of our behind the scenes conversations with uh, other guys with arrowhead pride, like, there's a scenario, and I think it played out where the receivers who are worth pick 29 are gone. And then the next guys, they might be worth pick 35, 40, you know, that sort of area, but not really 29 or 30. So, uh, and the same thing with the edges, too. Even though I, I don't think Karloftis is going to be a bad player, I think he could come in and, and be helpful. Um, is he the one that they want? is he the pass rusher they want? Maybe, um, time will tell same thing with Elam too. Like I, there are corners who I think scheme fit wise, uh, they might want to say, okay, let's wait until 50 or 62 and get somebody who we just think fits. Maybe it is Martin Emerson. Maybe it is, uh, McCreary out of Auburn and then go those other positions, wide receiver edge in the first round. So, um, It's not the worst outcome, but I I think grade wise, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a B minus and it kind of makes me think, yeah, trading up makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of what I expect having gone through this practice.
3: Yeah. I, I think if you're going to have a short week, having it in the second week of the season is not so bad because you will have a bye week before the season that you can spend some of your time thinking about that Thursday night appointment in the second week. Um, So, you know, it's never good to go play another game after on four days rest, but in terms of prep time, having it in week two isn't quite as bad as it would be if it just happened at some point in the regular season. And I also want to clarify one point that, that you were making uh, Pete about the chiefs fans who, Our cord keepers, Uh, many cord keepers also get Amazon Prime. I'm one of those people. I get Amazon Prime, and I'm also a a cable subscriber. But it's important to note that Chiefs fans who live in the Kansas City area and watch Kansas City television will still be able to watch this game, even if they're not Prime subscribers. The league is going to handle this just like they have, uh, for example, Thursday Night Football on NFL Network, which is also a subscriber-only service. It's available on some cable systems, but not others. And in the case when teams played on Thursday night games that were carried on NFL Network exclusively, local stations were allowed to in those two markets were allowed to, to, to air those games. And that's what's going to happen with Thursday night football on Amazon as well. So in the case, so will of this- those
4: be on? So those will be on NBC?
3: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I'm. Okay. Th- that's unknown. Uh, I think Not it's it. possible that they will be. Uh, they'll be put up to bids by local stations because there's no uh-huh. obvious affiliation between Amazon and a television network as there is, for example, between ESPN and ABC. So it. it's possible that this might be. You know, it could be in any station. I would put my money on KSHB personally. Uh, right. I think they're going to want to get those games. Uh, if they have the opportunity to do that. But I I think I didn't didn't
4: realize that aspect of it. So even if you're not subscribing to Amazon, so what Chiefs fans may miss then is only these national games without without the Chiefs. So let's say it's a throwaway game, Falcons-Saints Thursday night. You want to watch Tyron Matthew, right? (laughs) He's on the
3: Saints. And now you're out of luck. So, the, yeah, so the, chiefs, the people who are going to be in the trouble chiefs. are the, the people right. who can't get Amazon, who don't live in market. Those people right. are going to have to figure out another way to get so the game, but people it, who live it, in Kansas it, city it. will still be able to watch it.
4: Yeah. And I, you know what, that's, that's actually another point And a good one, you know, extending from this point because I think of a lot of our Arrowhead pride podcast listeners are yes. out of the Kansas city area because they like to hear and, and listen about the chief's news from, from us uh, here on the network. So Yeah, that's something that uh, some out of town cord keepers. So now we're, you know, being specific here out of town cord keeper Chiefs feds (laughs) figure it out because you don't want to miss Chiefs Broncos for week two. Thank you for that clarification. I didn't realize that that was the case. That's a good thing. I mean, at least for the people that live in Kansas City. Yeah,
3: at least for the moment, the NFL is still making it possible for every NFL game to be seen in its local market. Got it. Which uh, and and there could come a time when that is not the case. Right. But right now, uh, for your local team, there's still always a way to watch it on TV on your local station. You know what's interesting about this to me? And
4: this might be my last point because we're, we're on an t- entirely different topic here in a sense because <laughs> we're digging deep. But even if you have really good Internet, it's hard to avoid buffering for mm-hmm. four straight hours even in with great internet because there's right. just different issues and th- it feels like that should have been perfected before this begins to happen now i you know i have youtube tv and and for the most part i'm i'm okay but uh, for example i don't travel every road game when we're covering road games i use an antenna because that way i i know that we're not going to lose or, or buffer or whatever and it's the most current because if you're really watching the streaming services as we're tweeting and doing different articles we're about at least 30 seconds behind so i don't mm-hmm. know if the technology is perfect yet and now you're putting games exclusively on a streaming service it just seems a little soon but uh, who am i maybe i'm just old-fashioned when it comes
3: well to they, they've kind of been doing this for a while with nfl network i mean it's a it's also been a subscriber only right. service that not every cable person gets i, I mean when i purchased my cable package you know some years ago when we first moved to where we live now uh that was part of the equation does this service that i can get have nfl network because that mattered to me and they don't all have it so this is they've kind of been you know setting the stage for this for a while with nfl network
4: it's all coming back around to an all-inclusive cable package because there are so many good shows now on all these individual streaming services Mm -hmm. and if you're paying for all of them probably paying more than you would for cable, which is how did we get here? How do we go all yeah. around this entire circle? Anyway, all right, let's get back. We're we are way, <laughs> we're way <laughs> digging into something that has nothing to do with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get back into Chiefs news. This Chiefs contract with Ronald Jones is better than expected. John, you've been really, I, I think, leading, leading the way for our salary cap. We have the roster that is constantly updated. I should say this and probably don't say it enough. We have the Chiefs roster and cap. If you go to our website and go under resources, you can get a, a, the active uh, roster. And John does a really nice job of keeping up with the cap. So this Ronald Jones contract is cap friendly.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was another deal that didn't look very good to start with. It looked, you know, five, $5 five one uh, one year contract. It was really very much like the contract that Kyle Long got last year that had incentives going up to 5 million, but didn't really cost, hardly anything uh, in last year's salary cap. And in in the end, since Long didn't play for the whole season, uh, all they ended up paying him was his uh, guaranteed salary for 2022, and none of the incentives came into the 20, uh, excuse me, for 2021. And none of those incentives from last year turned up on the 2022 cap. That's possible that that could happen with this contract as well. When it first came out, my guess was, that the salary cap for Jones's contract for this season, every time there's a situation like this, I was trying and predict a range of where the cap hit will fall. So we can make an estimate of how much cap space there's going to be. My guess was between 1.5 million and 3.5 million. And it ended up coming in at the bottom end of that range. So that's nice. really a good, a good deal for the chiefs.
4: Right. and, and, once again, there's a difference between likely to be earned and not likely to be earned, right. not likely to be earned, which appears this is, goes to next year. So $3.5 right. of the $5 million is in incentives, and I tend to think he'll hit them. I, I do feel that way. The more people that I've talked to about this, the more I'm getting the sense that Ronald Jones – might not be here to be the rb2 i think it might be the chiefs in a way waving the white flag a little bit on workhorse ceh and you started to see it last year and i think it it began because of his lack of ability to stay on the field and the chiefs really had to pivot in this sense but it was a pure committee where one one series you would see ceh Next, you might see Daryl Williams toward the end of the year. You saw Jarek McKinnon, who is still a free agent, by the way. We get questions about that. McKinnon's still out there. I don't know know what's going on with him. But I think the Chiefs might see Ronald Jones as your first and second down back. And maybe you unleash CEH as a pass catcher, as his pass pro has gotten better. We've also seen a couple times, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I guess I could get in for a future episode, but where the Chiefs would just straight up Play Ceh as a wideout, so I think you could see both of them on the field at the same time as well.
3: Hmm, that's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I you know you're making scrimmage. good points. You're making good points about Edwards Allaire. I, I yes, towards the end of the season, it sure seemed like they were de-emphasizing him, but then in the postseason, he got a lot of usage and was very productive. Yeah. So you know, it's always hard to tell. It's it's the committee thing that Andy Reid likes and going with the hot hand. I mean, it really could go either way, I think. Um, and it'll just kind of depend on how it plays out early in the year, I think.
4: As Ron Kopp alluded to on our draft show on, on Monday, we tend to think there'll be another veteran body at running back or who knows, maybe even a younger day three pick mm-hmm. at running back. If, if the Chiefs were to draft a running back on day one or day two. We're going to shut down comments, so don't even <laughs> don't even come to the site to comment on it. We don't we don't we're not going to have that available for you. So keep that in mind. OK. Yeah. Right here. Um, Alex Smith. Um, this is a little bit of an older story. It came right after our last editor's show, but he sounded off on Tyree Kill and how the Chiefs are going to suffer without him. Uh, we pulled the clip. It, it I want to get proper credit here. It's from the Rich Eisen show. Uh, Rich Eisen asked Smith. Of course, former quarterback, thirteen to seventeen in Kansas City. How will the Chiefs' offense look without Tyreek Hill?
0: Flat out, like he, he, you're not going to replace him. There, there's literally only one Tyreek Hill in the whole NFL. I mean, he is he is that kind of difference maker. You know, I was fortunate enough to play my last two years there in Kansas City with him, and he honestly, when he's on the field, it just the, the defense plays differently. Uh, he opens up so many other players around him. Because everybody's so fearful, and there's a lot of fast guys in the league that are very, you know, in the end they're kind of one-dimensional. Uh, Ty- Tyreek is not that. I mean, we-, we saw it throughout the playoffs: catch and run, catching the deep ball, put him back there, punt, kickoff, return, hand him the ball in the backfield. Like, uh, I mean, he's an incredible weapon, um, incredibly unique, and he- you're just not going to fill those shoes. And and so there will be, I-, I do think they won't be as dynamic on offense. This is the trade-off that I think Andy's thinking about you know, and, and Brett Beach as they're looking at it as well, you know, for that salary that they were potentially going to get him, you know, and the draft picks that they got in return, can can they go be better on the defensive side of the ball? You know, like I, I think they look back to, you know, a few years ago is, is maybe they're going to be a little more balanced offense and defense. Um, they're going to get draft picks in return. And then I also think this is, this has kind of been Andy's MO, his entire coaching career is that, rather than let you play out your contract and walk away for nothing, I mean, he's certainly going to try and get value for you while he can. And certainly, I mean, I was even a product of that, right? Like, I mean, he, how many quarterbacks have we seen him do this with over the years where he does trade him and gets value back, and then he can go, you know, they do a great job of developing talent. So they got all these picks for Tyreek. I know they were trying to get him re-signed because he is so special, um, but obviously the numbers just it didn't quite make sense, and they decided to make this move, and, and it's bold. And again, they're not going to replace him on offense. I mean, you're just not going to find anybody. You're not going to find anybody in the draft out there in free agency that's going to fill those shoes. So they're going to have to adjust a little bit offensively. But I think the big question is maybe as a team, can they be better from it, right? That cap space, can they go get some other players maybe on the defensive side of the ball with those draft picks? Can they get some role players come in and help them this next year? I think that's that's the equation they're trying to – you know, make, right. um, but it, it certainly won't be, they, they will not be as explosive as they have been on offense period with Tyreek gone. You just can't, you yeah. know, those are the, he's just that kind of player.
4: I think before we got on John, why wasn't Alex this honest when he was a player in Kansas city? <laughs> Couldn't even get him to talk about Thanksgiving and Turkey. Uh, you know, what his favorite Thanksgiving food was that one word answer for us, but here he is now <laughs> he is working his affiliation is ESPN, I believe, where he does a Monday nights and a few things for ESPN. But has entered, to an extent, uh, the football journalist field. And here he was speaking with Rich Eisen. And I I think he made a lot of good points, to be fair. Um, where, the you know, and we've been kind of saying this, right? Like the Chiefs offense is going to be for sure less explosive. But I don't know if it's as... Um, if it's going to suffer as much when it comes to effectiveness, as I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. are are saying right now. Now it might, uh, it it might where maybe they're not scoring around 30 points per game, but maybe there are, maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're scoring more, maybe the efficiency because of you're reinventing yourself, you're turning back the clock. Think 2018. uh, It'll not be these plays where I, I think it's, you know, these two, three, four minute drives, but maybe there's, you know, six or seven minute drives, and maybe you score four touchdowns and get a field goal. And then you, what is that? That quick math tells me that's 31 points, right? It's not like, so I I don't know. I, I'm, I understand where Smith is coming from here, but I, I really think it's getting lost among even a former chiefs quarterback and the national media. Uh, This might be a very, very intentional scrapping of one version of the chiefs offense for another, and it still can be effective to the point of scoring as as many points. It, it'll look different, in my opinion, but I, I'm very intrigued by it. I, I think it's an interesting storyline heading into 2022.
5: But a couple notes, definitely, that we're going to talk about here on Coast to Coast. First one came from Jeffrey Chiada of uh, NFL Network today. And we talked about this one off mic a little bit. We'll bring it to the audience now. James Bradbury, it seems like KC is out of the mix on him. The price tag was around 13.4 in uh, cap space this year, and the, and apparently that's too rich for that blood. That's according to his report. Uh, what do you make of that, and and does it lead you to think that Casey is going to turn to the draft to get their cornerback, or are they
6: still shopping on the free agent market? Uh, it tells me that I think it was a disconnect there between the Chiefs and the Giants. Uh, I have no doubt that they were having conversations uh, I know there were some reports about the Giants eating some of that salary. So I think it was just a, a major disconnect there. And Brett Veach is one of those GMs that strikes me. He's not going to he's not gonna stay on one situation for too long. He'll give you a couple chances. And then if it's not going anywhere, he's going to move on because he doesn't want to waste any time. So uh, I think they're definitely going to draft a corner, whether they sign somebody for agency or not. I think they'll still draft a corner just because you can never have too many one corners on your depth chart, especially now. I mean, they're really thin in the secondary. We just lost uh, another safety today uh, with a, a Watts going to Indianapolis. But I w- I would, I'm i still curious to see what the price tag is for Stephon Gilmore. He's been really, really quiet on that front. It, it leads me to believe that he probably thinks he's worth more than what teams think he's worth, right? Because I'm surprised he hasn't been signed yet. I mean, he's been linked to the Chiefs, Raiders, a couple of other teams out there as well. So, He's really the only one that would really get me excited as far as signing somebody in free agency. But uh, whether they sign him or not, they're definitely going to draft a corner. But if they don't sign Stefan Gilmore, they may have to draft a corner earlier than they expect.
5: Yeah, speaking specifically to the report that, that came out today, to me it just basically seemed like we talked with this with uh, with the producer, Steven Serta, who's on here now. It just seems like KC's kind of clutching their money a little tight, this free agency. If they can get you at their price, uh, especially flexibility, as far as in these first two years of the deals that they've been signing, then they'll love it, and they'll take it, and they'll jump at that and and be aggressive in adding talent, um, not only defensively, but offensively as well. But uh, if you're dragging your feet a little bit like you talked to, uh, maybe if you text her a couple times and she don't text you back right away, you know, (laughs) it's – it's on to the next one. I think they're probably still in the market for Gilmore, but the price has got to be right. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to need to address the cornerback position. I don't know who their their cornerback one is right now as of this moment. Who would you say is their top-flight like, corner uh, lining up week one
6: for them? Oh, that's tough, man. I probably have to say Sneed, right? Because I feel like he's the most versatile. Uh, I think he's long, he's athletic, he can uh, guard in the slot. You can put him on the outside as well. So I think I'll have to lean him. I do think it was Ward before he left to go to San Francisco just because we saw him go against the top receivers in the league week in and week out. And he pretty much, for the most part, held his own besides that first game against Jamar Chase where he just went crazy. But a lot of that was just, you know, them guys just having a great connection and he's just a special talent. But I have to go with Snead right now.
5: Cornerback in the NFL to me, it reminds me of pitching in baseball. GMs will always say you can never have enough pitchers. You can never have enough young pitchers. You can never have enough good pitchers. And Right now the chiefs are in a position to where it feels like they don't have enough, whether it's a veteran guy in the locker room, whether it's a young guy that's coming along that maybe you could see make the leap this year. Uh, It feels like they're still kind of poking around for uh, a leader in, in the DB room. And, Obviously, we, we're talking a lot about Gilmore and, and, and Bradbury, but there's going to be other names. There's going to be another wave. There's going to be other free agency. There's going to be other uh, holes in free agency where where Casey can add a piece. And uh, maybe the price was too high here. We're obviously not going to know until they make a move. But uh it, it was interesting to see because we felt like this deal was done. I mean, I felt like we on, on the pod either last week or two weeks ago we were like, oh, well, bradbury and gilmore and then once arden key comes in and now we're looking down uh a few weeks later and you're zero for three so far on all those names
6: yeah it just tells me that i think Brett beach is really being careful with this cap space that he does have right now he's not going to just spend it you know irresponsibly right so guys just aren't coming down to his price that's how i take it because there's no doubt in my mind that he wants to make some moves but he's not going to just squander this opportunity that he has right now especially when you have a very deep draft and you have so much draft capital to where you can maybe pull off a trade and get a a veteran a corner or a DN or even a receiver right so he has a lot a lot of chips on the table right now he's not going to put them all in the middle until it makes sense
5: let's talk about another move that's been floating around out there this is a guy I'm surprised you don't have a, a tattoo of this young man already Honestly, as, as big as an advocate of you've been, you wrote about him on arrowheadpride.com. Go check that out. He's been active in kind of dispelling some trade rumors, but they continue to come each and every day. It's a uh, Seahawks wide receiver, DK Metcalf, who says he hasn't heard anything yet, but an ESPN report says that teams are checking on him. I'm curious what you think a package from KC to Seattle would need to
6: look like in order to acquire DK Metcalf. I think it'll take one of your first and probably a third or a fourth to go along with that either this year or next year. But I think you'll definitely have to give up one of those first round picks this year. And are they willing to do that? I'm not sure because the thing is with DK, he is up for an extension after this season. So when you make the trade, you're probably going to have to get the extension done at the same time just so you know you got him locked up, which I mean, if you do it right now, you may be able to get pretty good value. I'm thinking maybe like $22 million a year at this point. But if you let him play out next year, he can increase his value. And especially with the salary cap skyrocketing, you know, obviously uh, the market is just going to keep rising and rising for those receivers. But this also is a very deep drafted receiver as well. So I get the argument of, hey, just draft somebody. You have them on a rookie contract for four or five years instead of having to be locked in with DK on 20 plus million a year. So I get the argument both ways, though, because DK is a proven commodity. He's only 24 years old, though. But we know the capabilities of what he brings to the table, right? He's big, strong, athletic. He can go up and get the ball. So he will be an instant impact player for the Chiefs. So I'm not completely against it, but the price just has to be right.
5: I'm reading your article now on ArrowheadPride.com, filed on on March 10th. This is from Mark Gunnels. Uh, and he's talking about DK Metcalf and the possibility of him coming to Kansas City. The quote is, if there's one thing the offense could use, it's a big bodied possession receiver. Metcalf is that. And he can also take the top off a of defense. I, and we have talked about this last week. We're going to talk about wide receiver two, wide receiver one every podcast. If you got your Chiefs ch- Coast to Coast bingo card at home, go ahead and check off the wide receiver two spot. Uh, it, it, it just feels like there that, is stopping them from what they just got out of. You talked about the extension. That's that's the big part of this. There's no doubt that the Chiefs could use a talent like DK Metcalf in their offense, uh, especially based on how we've seen their offense work in the last couple of years. But if what we were talking about in the first segment is true, and if what we were talking about before we got on Mike was true and KC is kind of penny-pitching or monitoring their, uh, their cap space this year and in in, into the future, why then jump back right into the deep end of the pool with uh, with a DK Metcalf, who you know is going to want uh, twenty million a year plus uh, for what he did in Seattle and what he would bring to your offense? It just feels like he spent all this time restructuring, getting younger, cheaper, faster, and, uh, and and DK Metcalf. While he does probably appease the fan base and make them feel better about the the gaping hole that Tyreek Hill is going to leave. Ultimately, it's not a long-term solution, Mark. It feels more like like an impulse buy, if you will.
6: Well, I I wouldn't say that exactly because if you get the extension done now, he's not going to cost, obviously, as much as Tyreek Hill did. And the main thing that you mentioned is he's much younger. He's only 24 years old. So, I mean, you're going to get him going into his prime years. Whereas Tyreek Hill is going, you know, entering out of his prime years, right? I mean, he's still obviously elite. I'm not saying he's not. But he's getting closer to 30, while DK is not even 25 years old yet. So that would be the argument there. All right. I'll give you one more hypothetical, trade. We're talking DK Metcalf here on
5: Chiefs Coast to Coast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Twitter spaces, 7 p.m. every Tuesday, and then in the podcast app after that. Uh, is two firsts too much to give up for DK Metcalf? The Chiefs have 29 and 30 this year. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. Would you be willing to to, to, to pull the plug on 29 and 30 uh, to get DK?
6: No, nah, that's too rich for my blood. That's too much. I can't give up two firsts. I can't do that. Especially when you have so many other gaping holes on your roster. You need pass rush. You're thin at corner. You know, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Interesting. It, it, it's cool to see maybe you know what the
5: line is for for Mark Gunnell since he is the GM of uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> and what he what he's willing to give up for DK Metcalf. I, I don't know, man. I, I think maybe he does get dealt. Oh, we're, we're coming up on the draft, obviously twenty three days out from the draft today. I think he does get dealt, but I, I, I ultimately don't think Kansas City is is where he ends up, just because of what they've shown us. I'm going based off what they've shown us so far. Obviously, they they could be a curveball, and I do expect KC to be active on draft day, moving up, moving down, uh, and and also involved in in some of the wide receiver and corner markets, but it it just feels like DK's out of their price range.
6: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say that exactly, but, yeah, ultimately, if you were to tell me where's he going to land, I wouldn't pick Kansas City. I think a team like the Jets, like they seem very desperate. Obviously they were going after Tyreek Hill and they have the number four and number ten overall pick. Now I'm not sure if they're gonna give up that number ten pick, but if they offer that in the deal, then I mean if you're Seattle, how can you not take that? But they weren't even willing to offer that for Tyreek Hill though. So I'm not exactly sure did that make them even more desperate now. Like, okay, now we have to throw this in here to get this deal done. But they can just take someone like Garrett Wilson and be fine, too. But the Jets, maybe the Packers get in the mix as well. Obviously, they're very thin. at wide receiver right now. So there's other options out there.
5: Let's talk about your boy, somebody who is also not on the Kansas City Chiefs roster as of right now, but uh, is reportedly in talks with the New Orleans Saints or toured their facility today. I know there was a 0.5% chance when we last mentioned his name on this podcast. Uh a while back, that's former Chief Safety tyron Matthew. Been quiet for him, man. And we even mentioned uh the possibility of the market telling him what they think about him and his value and what he brings to a team. Uh, your initial reactions to to the New Orleans fit and and we'll go from there.
6: Yeah, so I mean this is where I expected him to be all along. I mean, I know he took a visit there today. Um, you know, he's been there for a while actually. He was at LSU talking to the players down there. Obviously he's from there. So, yeah, I mean, it would make sense for him to go there from, a, from that standpoint. I mean, they're not a team that's competing for a championship right now, but, you know, as long as he gets the bag at this point, I think that's kind of what he really wants, to be quite frank, because this is going to be the last time he's going to get that type of contract, right? Because he's approaching 30 years old. He's at a position that isn't that valuable in the grand scheme of things at safety you know, especially compared to, like, corner and pass rusher and obviously on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it would be good for him to be home. And, you know, he wants to be a coach one day, obviously. And, you know, he's already kind of lining it up with LSU so he can be right there in the mix and might do a little recruiting on the side. You know, he's going to that another phase of his career, man. He just wants to get paid and and be at home, I think. So I think it's going to happen.
5: I love how your tone has changed completely. When we first launched this podcast, oh, the deal's getting done. If you want to be a Hall of Famer, you stay in KC. You know, you when you picture Tyron Matthew, you picture him in the red and gold, and oh, the tone has changed completely. You went from that to, oh, I think he's entering a different phase of his career. You, You like it is a complete 180 for Mark Gunnels. And let me just go ahead and say this, Mark. I want to make this as crystal clear as possible because you said this and I want to respond to this. The bag deal is no longer out there for Tyra Matthew. It's not, I don't even know if it ever was. And when we talked about this originally, I kind of pushed back on that. Look at how Bobby Wagner, the details of Bobby Wagner's most recent deal came out. The bag deals that wave, that wave has come and gone. These next wave of free agents, and these next wave of deals, you're looking at one in two years with a front-loaded option and the team can get out after after this and it's incentive-loaded. I don't see a bag-type deal out there for Tyra Matthew because I just feel like that well has already dried. I feel like if he wanted that deal, he could have signed with a non-contender uh as soon as free agency opened and, and it would have been cut. But at this point in time, you call the Saints a non-contender. I mean, they're not on the cusp, they're not they're not lead off. Obviously Vegas probably don't have another favorite, but that division is trash and they could easily luck themselves into into something.
1: And so today we're we're kind of just going to name a few prospects each of us. We need to be sold on a little more. And you know, that's that might be the second part of the segment down the road sometime is when someone else actually sells us on these prospects, <laughs> but for now, we're just going to comp- we're just going to throw these names out. Uh, about guys that, you know, we're just we're just not as sold as, as it seems like the general public is. And Jared, I'm going to let you go first because honestly, I'm with you on your guy and I think it might be nice to talk it out a little bit. So go ahead and introduce who you need to be sold on a little more as a draft
7: prospect. And the great thing about having such a large team at Arrowhead Pride, especially such a large team of people covering the draft, I know somebody in our group who can sell us on any of these prospects. Because anybody we're going to name, I know somebody who loves The player I kind of want to be sold a little bit more on, and he's probably one of the flashiest, most exciting prospects going into the draft. He was one of the stars of the Combine. I really need to get sold a little bit more on Christian Watson from South Dakota State. North Dakota State? Yeah, North Dakota State. North Dakota State, State. sorry. Um, And I just do not... I don't always believe in these small school guys making it to the NFL. I I think he's going to be a fine player. I think he's – I think – I don't really see a giant bust potential for him. I think he's going to have a decent career in the NFL. I mean, that size, that speed. Some of these – some offensive genius somewhere in the NFL is going to find a good way to use him. But to see where he's going to mock drafts now, to hear the buzz around him, it sounds like he's going to get drafted to be somebody's wide receiver one. And I just don't see that happening.
1: So that's the appealing part of him. it. Sounds like is that I think we all kind of, you know, say, Hey, he has the size, but also this athletic piece where, I mean, when you have both of those things, you're a potential wide receiver one. You just naturally are. I think that's what we all tell ourselves in our heads, at least. Um, and he definitely has the potential to be. I mean, we've, he has an athletic score that we've really never even seen when you're talking about relative athletic score. And so that is rare. Right. And that is, you know, something, but when you watch on the field, when you watch him play, there is definitely some things where you realize, Oh yeah, you're playing at North Dakota state. You're playing in the FCS. You know, you can catch a ball. Uh, you know, you don't have to go up for a ball and you can still catch it. Right. Like, I do think there's some points where he doesn't he doesn't play as big as he is. I think he 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 could he could be more physical at the catch point. He could be a stronger catcher, I guess. Um and just kind of go up for a ball more. Be a, more aggressive at the point of attack. You watch a guy like George Pickens. There's no doubt that's that's you know he can do that kind of stuff. I mean, he is attacking the ball. I mean, he has some crazy uh you know contested catches. And you just don't see it as much with Christian Watson, which isn't the end all be all, right? Christian Watson, you know, you you it's it's not about contested catching today in NFL. It's it's really about separation and speed, and he does have the speed element. But I just think in general, I do think he's more of a project, and you know, with, might be you know more comfortable taking him uh, day two. Jared, I'm curious what you think about my uh, my I, a little comp I've I've thought up for him because I'm starting to get these Martavis Bryant vibes. This this taller very fast dude going to be a, a, a vertical threat for a good offense you know we'll put up points or we'll put up numbers if he is the wide receiver three and a good offense wide receiver two even maybe i think martavis is probably wide receiver two although that steeler's offense had a ton of options but i just think like yeah like he could he could be that kind of guy a big play threat um but maybe just you know where Bryant, you're never gonna trust him to be in a wide receiver one um i don't know what do you think about that is that is that just a? I don't
7: know what are your thoughts Oh, I definitely, I definitely could see that, and I think a decade ago, a really smart NFL team would have scouted him, and probably turned his name in at the end of the second round or the top half of the third round. And when he's doing something like Bryant, you'd be like, "Look at this wide receiver, too. We found from this small school. Look how smart our scouts are." Yeah, in today's scouting world there's so much film at everybody. And then he became such a star at the combine that everybody's watched his highlights. I, I think he's going to get drafted. And if he doesn't ex- become a wide receiver one, I think he, he, I think he has a good chance to be, have a good career without living up to where he'll be drafted.
1: I think that's completely fair. And, th- and that's what we're saying, guys. It's not about, you know, we're saying, you know, these are going to be bad prospects or bad players. You know, that is not what this is about. This is about selling us on picking them at 29 and 30, because those are valuable picks. You know, p- those first round picks, man. We got to make sure we're picking, you know, the right players at those spots. And the player I need to be sold on just a little more, because I am. I do see the ceiling, and I do think it's an exciting player. Brian Stewart just wrote him up for us at the site, and he did a great job breaking down what he could become. But my guy is Boye Mafe, the Minnesota edge rusher, somebody that I, you know, right away from the draft process, Kind of highlighted as someone that's going to blow up, right? I I, I tweeted it. Early. I mean, it, it's not. I'm not trying to say I called it. I think everyone could understand why he was going to blow up at the combine. Um, he's a freak athletic. He was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list um, before the college season, which you know Bruce Feldman does a great job of highlighting guys that are that are just freak athletes in the college football scene. And Mafe, uh, you know, definitely proved that true in the in the pre-draft process. But that's the thing, you know, when you look at his tape, I do think there are some things where. I just, you know, he has some flash plays, but there are some times where he just doesn't look as natural of a football player. Um, you know, there's definitely not any, you know, you're not seeing bend, right? You're not seeing a guy that's that's flying around the edge, and and I know that's not what he's supposed to be. Um, you know, no one's expecting that from him, but um, it's just it it does seem like you know there there's some fundamental stuff, there's some just some general just like football stuff as a a you know if we want him to be a four three defensive end that's the thing you see you saw him a lot of two point stance in college you know maybe maybe he is more that. Three, four outside linebacker, uh, the, or that Sam backer. Um, he's way too big. He's way too heavy to be a, a true linebacker. Obviously, but I don't know. I just when I think more and more about how he fits from Kansas City, I just need to be sold a little more on the fact that he he has shown enough that we can be confident that he can come in and, and be a four three defensive end and really give the Chiefs what they want. Someone that can get after the quarterback too. I I just I think sometimes you know i don't see the flashes maybe necessarily in terms of being a really really good pass rusher that was a lot jared and i maybe took all the points that they were to take about maffe but i don't know what do you feel about boye Mafe as a potential first round pick cuz it does seem like when you look at mock drafts he's going to be he's going to either go there or maybe even a little earlier than what the chiefs pick
7: i i want to be clear I, this is not a player that i'm going to be mad if i hear his name called for the chiefs at the yes. end of the first round um, I do have some concerns because it does seem like in college he mostly rushed from a standing position, and it really seems like it was at the senior bowl where he really started to build up the, this buzz that he could be a good 4-3 defensive end. Yeah. So it seems like you're banking on a dude making a pretty big transition, which is fine, which is fine. I Give me high ceiling over high floor anytime in the NFL draft thing that kind of concerns me about asking a guy like Mafe to make this transition is his age. So he's already 23 years old. He's going to turn 24 during the season. So if you draft him, realistically, he's probably going to be, he's probably going to start with a very limited third down role. Maybe, maybe he'll be looking at a 50% snap count, towards the end of the season but you're pretty much going to take his rookie year that he turns 24 and have him learn a new position and then maybe he'll be really good at that position when he's 25 then his rookie deals up when he's you know close to 28 years old are you going to hand him a second contract that's going to take him into his 30s
1: yeah Exactly. That's, you know, it is definitely something to think about when you're looking at draft prospects Their age, you know, especially with the first round pick, you know, it, it, that's why, you know, sometimes it's just more valuable to take someone later, uh, you know, depending on their age. Um, and so Mafe, you know, Mafe is kind of something you got to think about with that. And I do want to make another point too, you know, when we talk about, you know, this three, four outside linebacker versus four, three D and I think some people are quick to say, Hey, it doesn't matter in today's NFL. There's no, you know, Hey, it's four, three, three, four. It doesn't matter. We're all in nickel. We're all in four-man fronts. They're still going to be rushing off the edge. No, it's a. It, there is a difference. There is a, you know, in terms of coaching, in terms of when you have a linebackers coach versus you have a defensive line coach coaching you. That is the difference. You know, when you're in practice, you're you're practicing from an outside linebacker, you know, kind of two-point stance position from base and practicing that. You know, maybe practicing coverage drops a little more than you are just getting after the quarterback, working on run fits, all that kind of thing. So. I think there is a major difference. I'm just gonna say that. So I, I, I just I want there to, I want that to be known. I still think Mafe has the tools to turn into a you know a, a guy that can get his hand in the dirt and play 4-3DN. I just want to be sold on a little more. And I and I will say Brian probably did a or Brian did do a really good job of selling it on his on his piece, but uh I still have some some skepticism. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But and um one thing
7: I do like about maffe's fit in Kansas City though. I do think that it's kind of an under the radar coaching change when they changed their defensive line coach and brought in Joe Cohen. I mean, he's had good experience with players like that. So I I do think that maybe, maybe the experience is in place to handle a good transition like this now that maybe was not always here before.